0: The ringers committed to responsible gaming please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details must be 21 plus 18 plus in dc and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com there's no better feeling than a personal win and the state farm personal price plan can help you do just that Hello and welcome to the Ringer's Philly special. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined as always by Raheem Palmer. We're here to talk Sixers. Happy holidays, Raheem.
1: Happy holidays. I mean, it's, it's a great time. I mean, you look at the Sixers right now. We're on, I mean, a nice little winning streak, five-game winning streak. And, you know, I think the last time we spoke, I said we have to win those games against the Warriors and the Raptors. And, you know, they were tougher than they had to be, but we got them done. So I'm just happy that, you know, we're dominating this
0: home stretch and winning the games that we're supposed to win. On any given night, you could be like, oh, they didn't have Steph, or the Raptors were coming off of back-to-back. And it's like, I'm all right, man. Just look at the end of the season. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really appreciate this little win streak. It's been a minute since the Sixers got past, what, three-game winning streak this season. And now we're on a little bit of a run here. It's been really interesting to watch the team um, sometimes get W's when they're not playing their best basketball. And I think last night's game, 104-101 over the Raptors in overtime is an example of that, where nobody's going to write long romantic poetry about the way that the Sixers played last night, but they, they got the W. Oh yeah, without doubt. I mean, I think it was a
1: tell of two halves. I think when you look at the first half, the Sixers went out there, and, I mean, and they did everything they were supposed to do. One sixteen offensive rating, ninety three defensive rating, twenty two net rating. I mean, they dominated that first half, and I just think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were playing team ball. They were moving the ball around. I mean, James Harden is delivering assists. Joel Embiid is is dominating. But I just think in the second half, they got a little bit too stagnant, and I, I think you saw that and. You know, when they're not hitting shots, guys, like, as, I, as I always say, this team is built around our offense. And if they're not hitting shots, then it's tough for them to get stops on the other side of the other end of the floor. And I think they just got so stagnant. I think that was the frustrating thing for me.
0: Dude, last night, you don't often hear home announcers on like the regional sports networks criticize the team. Like it's a lot of like, oh, ref missed that call, like kind of stuff. Yeah. and Kate and Ala last night were like, "Man, these guys are standing around." Yeah, like there was there was like legit critique of the Sixers, especially in the second half, like you pointed out, just kind of just playing. Okay, watch Harden dribble, watch Embiid dribble, and the the biggest, I think, sometimes you you you, you know you'll go to war with those two guys and l- let them have the ball, but last night I kind of wonder whether or not this game is over in the early fourth quarter if they just fed Tobias.
1: Yes, that's exactly how I felt. And I'm I'm watching it, and it's like... The one thing I'll say about Tobias is he's really embraced this new role. But at the same time... And he's, like, thriving in this new role. It's like, you know, he's taking 5.7 attempts per deep... Per 36 minutes, and he's making 42% of those shots. And, you know, Tobias, a couple years ago, he wasn't seen as this this catch-and-shoot guy. But the thing is, Tobias still has that ability to go into the post and score in a post and go one-on-one. And I just think sometimes, you know, Glenn has to run more stuff for him. It's like he's overqualified for his role as a catch-and-shoot player. And I love him in that role, um. and he needs to be that on his team. But if Embiid and Harden don't have it going or, you know, just to mix things up, I think you need to feed Tobias. So it's like yeah. that was a little frustrating for me.
0: That too might have well have been – he might as well have been like on fire in NBA Jam. I mean like everybody in the building, everybody watching at home was like Tobias has got hot hand right now. Like you have to feed him. There was one play in the 3rd quarter, I think it was, maybe it was the 4th. Sixers had a fast break and I saw Melton got, you know, Melton was leading the break and and I've been a very big Melton fan this season, so it was there's no knock against him. But it, Toby was like I don't know, fifteen feet ahead of him, and was clapping for the ball. Was like hit, hit me, hit me, hit, hit ahead right here. That's a pass James Harden makes, but it was more to me like Tobias is not a very demonstrative player. Yeah. Like he's usually like pretty calm, pretty cool, not too far up, not too far down. And he was like, "I'm hot, man. You gotta give me the ball right here. Like I can either get to the hoop or I can, I can get a, a fast break transition three here." He was, he was obviously feeling it. I was gonna ask you, you know, because we don't want to focus too much on one result. What did you think of Embiid taking a long two in double coverage as the attempted game winner in in regulation? Because that was an example of like, to me, it's like, don't you have Harden for that situation? And or Tobias is playing out of his mind. Maybe you feed him for that game winner. That was like, I mean, like the whole like end of regulation was very frustrating for me because
1: there was a point in which the Sixers are down 96-89 with... Um, four minutes to go, and you see, Harden is kind of dribbling. He he loses track of the ball, and he just dishes it out to to Tobias for a three. And Tobias has to literally pick it up off the floor and hits yeah. a a three point jumper to make it ninety two ninety six. Then the next possession, next possession, Harden feeds DeAnthony Melton. It's ninety five ninety six, and then the following possession, Embiid gets fouled to take the lead, and it feels like from that point on. Actually, Harden got the layup to 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 make it ninety nine ninety six. But from that point on, every possession was just a contested n twenty foot shot or a Harden just like dribble the air out the, the the um ball and take a just a contested shot. And it was just like we got there by playing team ball, and then we just stopped. And that was very frustrating for me. So I just I hated that so much.
0: It's the most frustrating thing about this team. I I hate being negative. We're on a win Mm -hmm. streak. Embiid had 28 last night. Harden played really well. Tobias played really well in his role. It was a home crowd. I think people were excited to beat the Raptors. More on that in a minute. So I don't want to belabor it, but you're absolutely right. Like There are nights when Embiid and Harden might not be the best player on the floor for the Sixers, regardless of what their stats say. And no matter whether they are or not, this team should be taking advantage of December to find out how to play team basketball. And more often than not, I think especially down the stretch, frankly, when Embiid is maybe not playing his best, Embiid gets preferential treatment in this offense. And
1: you know what it is? It's not even just the preferential treatment for me. It's the fact that mb catches he's not deep in the post when he's catching some of these no balls.
0: he's like he's in no man's land
1: <laughs> yeah so it's just like he's taking the exact type of shots that you that a defense wants an nba player to take in the modern nba he's taking the 17 to 20 foot mid-range jumpers not a three um but not close enough to the basket to where it's like it has a positive expectation so like that's frustrating for me and i just think how can i say this it's like Glenn just has to run more stuff. Um, it can't just be MB and, and in and isolations. And I think this team is dangerous when they're playing team ball. Because I, yeah. you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Westbrook and, and, and Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. It's just the your turn, my turn offense. And when, it's, when they're not doing that, like they have enough shooters on this team to where they're scary.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that also with the in terms of the the Westbrook, especially more like the late period thunder with Westbrook. But um, you could see last night big game of runs, like just yeah. just teams going on, like unanswered double digit runs. And it was really revolving around Embiid, whether he was on the floor or not. You know, I mean, yeah. like we have ne- we're never going to solve against us being a better team or as good of a team with him without him as we are with him. But it really leapt out at me that, like, as the Raptors were sort of building a fourth quarter lead, I was like, "Any any play now, bring him back." You know what I mean? Yeah, feel free to bring him back in whenever you want, man. And uh, it, so you know, you, you kind of live by Embiid and you die by Embiid. Oh yeah,
1: without a doubt. Um, it's I mean, it's just tough. I mean, I just think we got to figure out that bench unit. Um, that that's really what it comes down to. It's just that third quarter was just so disastrous, and you you kind of just knew that you know, the slip, the Sixers were kind of just floating on thin ice. So it's just, I mean, it's tough.
0: (laughs) Do you think that that's um, uh, a Glenn thing where Glenn's just like, I have no, because like one of the things that was sort of surprising about the MB shot at the end of regulation is I thought Doc was kind of like an ATO, like Mm -hmm. timeout play call guy. Like that was like one of his signatures in Boston is Doc always had these dope out of timeout plays coming out of the huddle. And that was just like throw it to Embiid on his like left hand, twenty feet from the basket, and then have three Raptors run at him. That was the play. And I was wondering whether or not you felt like when you watch when you watch those guys play, is that like Embiid breaking plays off or Doc being too deferential towards his stars?
1: I think this is a, a Doc being. Uh... Uh, deferential to- towards the stars. I think you got two ISO players and Embiid and Hart, and I think they're gonna like when it comes to the end of the game, it's just accepted that we're just gonna go to these guys. Um, and I rarely see the Sixers ever like draw anything up interesting at the end of these games. It's it's kind of just an Embiid mid range jumper or you know it- it's just nothing creative. Um, and then you know Harton's very turnover prone at-, at that too. So, I. <laughs> It's kind of scary if they if they are running something, so I just it, it just feels like that's just what they want to, want to do,
0: <laughs> yeah, you're almost like, let's just pretend they're not running something, and then Doc is like, Here we go um a couple of uh want to do a couple of vibe checks with you mm-hmm. real quick um this is just you and me. we got Cliff here. Nobody's yeah. listening. Can we just talk about p j. Tucker for a second? Oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um there was some real like I don't know if I can keep watching this team if they continue to play a guy who can't shoot. Like, we've just been so traumatized over the years by like basketball players who have either psychological or physical problems with shooting the ball well yeah. at all or even at all. So, there was one play in the first half, and B has it around the foul line, kind of makes his way into the lane, dumps it off to PJ, kind of in an awkward spot, a little bit under the hoop. But it not only did PJ miss the layup. But P.J. seemed like he wanted nothing at all to do with the basketball. There was also a real, like, make-a-wish kid three-pointer he took where the entire crowd, like, <laughs> held its breath. And, like, we're like, oh, when he missed it. Like, we were so excited for P.J. to make a shot. I oh really love him. <laughs> I really love him. Pascal had 38 last night on him. So, like, sometimes I'm like, I know he takes the toughest assignment, but... Is it okay to talk about the fact that sometimes he gets worked?
1: Yes, it, it's definitely okay to talk about. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like, if he's not really providing that much on defense and he's struggling on offense, he's going one for five from three. What's he giving you? Um, it, it's unfortunate, but it's just, you know, at the same time, what, what, what are our, what are, are, excuse me, what are our alternatives? Like, it's just like, who else do you go to? Um and I think you know what the, the dream
0: f- scenario would be is like just a fake hamstring injury. Yeah. And have him be on the Iguodala diet in the in Golden State where he just comes back for the playoffs. <laughs> Cuz it's just too hard to watch him against Toronto. <laughs> I mean, my
1: dream scenario is that the Raptors blow it up and we can kind of get one of these big length, lengthy guys like that's about yeah, size.
0: not doing us any favors come on yeah
1: i mean that's true <laughs> but that's that's my absolute dream scenario but it's you think just, he's gonna be
0: like you guys want boucher you guys want you want ananobi come on he's not gonna do that for us
1: i, I just think the raptors are in such a i mean and last night was kind of like one of their best efforts that we've seen from them in, in about two weeks um i think yeah, the they're raptors, on the slide yeah they're on the slide so i mean my dream scenario is that we can we can get some type of power forward in or stretch four in the tr- like the trade market or to buy out that line that's that's my dream scenario <laughs> it's hard not to add a side of hot crispy hash browns to your favorite mcdonald's breakfast it's
0: even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home ba 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 Yeah, I mean, I think that the other vibe check I wanted to do with you is the uh, the rotating backup five thing that Doc's doing. So we had a couple of weeks of a love affair with Paul Reed. Montrez was somewhat out of the rotation. Now it seems like that's flipped. Montrez is back in the backup five role and doesn't really close very much and doesn't really play much down the stretch. But Paul Reed is is now like in spot, spot fill-in duty, uh, is kind of getting a couple of minutes at the end of the first half maybe. Um, is this a problem that Daryl needs to address in January or do you think it doesn't really matter? Because when you get to the playoffs, if Embiid's not playing 40 minutes a night, we're not going to win anything anyway.
1: Um, I think this is probably going to, it definitely has to be addressed at some point. Um, you know, right now, I mean, I don't mind it that much. I mean, we are on on a winning streak, but it's just, for me, it's just like, you look at the games against Sacramento, you look at the games against Golden State, he didn't do anything. If he's like, he has zero points in 12 minutes, zero points in 11 minutes. Like,
0: you're talking about, about Harold or yeah, PJ?
1: Harold. Harold. So for me, it's just like, this is a guy who, if he isn't scoring, he's not adding anything. He's not adding any defense. So to me, I'd rather see Reed out there. I mean, and granted, last night he was three or four for seven points, but like, I, I, I just think Mori just has to address this. I, I just think yeah. Reed has to be yeah. the guy. And you have to develop Reed because. Re can actually like at some point mb is going to be in foul trouble in the playoffs or at some point you know there's gonna be a time where mb can't be on the floor and you're gonna need reed so i just think this is the time where you should be developing reed and it's just frustrating that he's not getting those minutes
0: yeah the the that is actually something i'm pretty envious of the raptors about you know um yeah. it's 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 the bouchers it's the guys where i'm like damn to, like, could we just not do this? Like, is there just no Bouchers out there for us to, like, bring along slowly over the course of a couple of years? And now he's got, like, an inside-outside game and is dangerous around the rim and stuff. Like, it it, it it's just indicative of the choices that the organization has made ever since we started the kind of Jimmy Butler, Al Horford era of, like, always kind of shopping for the veterans to go around and bead rather than developing... Guys of his generation to play alongside him, like we did when it was like Fultz and 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 Sarich and, and and Covington in the gang. Um, so yeah, I think that the the backup five thing is going to be an issue. You know, I don't want Joel Embiid to be an on-off monster where like we fall through the basement when he's off the floor, and like it doesn't seem like that Doc is comfortable with a five, a, a small ball with PJ at the five or or playing any kind of like real funky lineups so if we're gonna keep playing traditional five like big man five lineups he they can't have montrez can only score in in bunches and paul reed is a liability it has to be like some kind of replacement level player in there
1: yeah i i, I totally agree like i, I agree with that 100 i just would you take drummond back i think i would I, I definitely think i would i i think that i mean drummond can add you know he's not the best defender um <laughs> So it's just like I mean he's a great
0: rebounder. Um, it's the best I've, backup Embiid's ever had, right? Yeah. I'm not. That's not saying much, but, it, yeah, it's uh, not, but yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, definitely better than DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what else did you see last night that you
1: wanted to talk about? Um. Um I just, I just think a big part of it was just I mean the the big thing that stood out to me was Tobias Harris. I mean I, I just I just think he was so huge. Um I just want to I actually want to see him utilize more. I, I just think you know everything can't fall on MB and everything can't fall on Hart and I think that that was the key thing for me. It's just how well he's been playing in this new role. Um so I was like really impressed with that and just the, the stagnant offense. I think those were the key themes of the game from I mean from my view. Um just really a tell of two halves.
0: What do you think about um how Maxie Maxie's return which I you know is, is Maxie seems more positive about it than than Doc does mm-hmm. uh in terms of like how fast it's going to happen but I think that one of the reasons why Toby seemed a little out of it at the beginning of the season some injuries in there too I think he mentioned playing hurt was this kind of explosion from Maxie over the course of the last season and into this season where this dude might be you know, if you're feeling cheeky, you could say the second best player we've got, but the third best player on the Sixers and needs his looks and needs the ball in his hand, thus reducing Tobias's role a little bit. Do you think that there's room on the floor for Toby, Maxie and Bede and Harden to all have an effective offense together?
1: Um, I mean, based on the way Tobias is playing now with his ability to to, to catch and shoot, I think there is. Um, I think the issue is. How do you put together a competent defense with Hart and B and and, and Maxi? Like that's that's right. my issue. It's just like I, but I, I just think if the offense is, I think the offense is going to be rolling with those three. Like I I really believe that. But so, I do think you're going to have to. I think they're going to have to really stagger the minutes of Maxi and Harden. Um, yeah, just just to really get some offense off of that bench. I think that's where the clear issues like arise right now.
0: Yeah, because I, I mean, there's part of me that almost dreams of it being basically a hockey style sub where yeah. Tob- Tobias is like the second team captain and yeah. we kind of see a little bit of that junkyard team that we saw a couple weeks ago when, when Embiid and Harden were both out and it was like Tobias and 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 like the, the bench guys and yeah. we actually look pretty decent because that's, that's apparently the team Doc would rather be coaching. Yeah. <laughs> But playing five out with Tobias running the floor, I don't mind that. Um, I, I had a right. question for you,
1: actually. Um, so yeah. what's your thoughts on um, Thibault right now? I mean, I like. I noticed he's been, like, you know, early on in the season, he was, like, really shooting poorly. And now, it, I mean, he's still not a great shooter, but, I mean, he's putting him up, and it just feels like he's making some improvement on that on that end of the floor. Um, I personally like the starting lineup better with Melton, but what's your thoughts on, on Thibault at this point?
0: I just think, honestly, Doc's jerking his minutes around too much, and this is the same issue we have with Paul Reed, where seven minutes one night, twenty-two minutes the other night, it it's just too too much of a yo-yo. And you can see him kind of last night really beating himself up on the on the bench. I don't know was that foul trouble really that kind of got into that he got into last night? Why, why did he get pulled last night? Let me just check.
1: Nah, he actually didn't have any fouls. I like
0: I I don't know why he got okay played. he only played six right, minutes. So <laughs> He just gets he just gets the dock hook then right so yeah I I feel like that's another that's another element where it's just like if if Thibault can't be a productive player on this team come the playoffs like get rid of him for somebody who can um or develop him so that he will be but this kind of in between punishment purgatory that he's in where he only gets consistent time when there's another dude hurt is kind of not really helping the team or him
1: yeah. I agree with that. Like, it was it was weird to only see him play six minutes. Like, he played seven minutes last yeah. night,
0: so it's just... We, we've got too many guys who can only do one thing on the floor.
1: Yeah. You
0: know? I'm not asking for everybody on this team to be Magic Johnson in 1983, but, like, it would be really helpful if, like, PJ was capable of getting seven to ten points a night on any given night, or if Thibel was capable of getting 12 points a night or if Maxi and Harden could defend, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's too many things where it's like, wow, this guy's got a glaring red flag that we can't, you know, we have to be really mindful of like what he can't do rather than what he can do.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that is a real issue for this team. <laughs> and then, I mean, of course, Daniel house really just hasn't been what I, I mean. He was solid last night, I guess, but he just hasn't been what I expected from him coming into the season. Um, Milton, you know, he just he's up and down. Um, and I think I mean, I think part of it is these guys are just playing different roles every night. Um, when the team is injured, you have Shake doing more and it just it seems like he steps up. But when it's when that injury's not there and he's just in regular bench minutes, it's just he has he has those duds of a game. So it's just like a real lack of consistency from the guys off the bench right now.
0: So the Sixers are on a little bit of a run here and have climbed to, well, they're still in fifth. So we're still right behind the nets about uh, by a game. The nets are one of the only teams hotter than the Sixers right now. They've won six in a row and they're nine and one in their last 10. The Sixers get um, a pretty banged up Pistons team at home tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and then get the Clippers on Friday before they go and play New York on Sunday. Uh, this will probably be our last Sixers Philly special for 2022. I wanted to know whether or not you had any like holiday wish list for this team. Like we talked a little bit about getting a backup five. We'll talk way more about like what we want to see Daryl do in the trade market as we get closer to the deadline, I'm sure. But after watching this team for a couple of months, what's the biggest thing that you think he needs to go shopping for?
1: Hmm. Um, I mean, you said a backup five, but I want to see a stretch four like that mm. that that's really what I want to see. I mean, if, if if PJ can't make like open jumpers, then I, I don't know how he plays. Like I'm a, I'm gonna be honest right. with you. Like it's just I need, I need a stretch four. I mean, I need somebody who can just space the floor. Um I would love to see Jay Crowder. I would love to see Jay Crowder on this team. I mean, like just having like today's NBA is about wings. So if you can give me another wing who can, you know, defend and make shots, I think that's huge for this team.
0: Yeah, I would I would take Crowder in a heartbeat, and if Phoenix keeps trending down, I mean I have no idea what the situation with him is. Is like, Phoenix obviously needs him. He obviously is not playing for them. Uh, their their ownership is in transition. I have no idea really like whether or not they're they're feeling good about their second half of their season or not. But Crowder is like the first person on my like realistic shopping list for the Sixers.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I think when you look at the Suns, they've kind of, I mean they haven't necessarily like totally replaced him. But I mean, Josh Okogie is playing well right now. Um, so it's just like I mean, they they found a, a somewhat of a replacement for Crowder over there. So um, I would love to have Crowder on his team. I just I, I think you just can't have enough wings, and you know, being able to pick up a guy like him or even like um you know bringing S- Sadiq Bay back to to the Villanova oh area. Let's
0: get all the Nova dudes back here, man. <laughs> let's get Lowry. Let's get Sadiq. Let's get Bridges yeah like who's I mean, out S- there yeah
1: Sadiq Bey is supposed to be on a trade deadline Dante so-
0: DiVincenzo you want to come back bro come on man yeah
1: I mean I would love to see him come back so I just I just think you you need those wings so um I would I would love to see that
0: um you know we, we uh as it is the holiday season um it, it, there's a feeling of good cheer in the air but it's a Philadelphia podcast so <laughs> uh I think it's only appropriate that we're some hating ass haters every once in a while um last night i was watching this game yeah and i couldn't tell what was bothering me and i was just kind of like why am i in a bad mood watching this even though it's just like a regular basketball game and then i was like you know what i hate the fucking raptors man i hate the raptors i hate how like they're all rangy and like got everything the sixers don't I hate the triple bounce. I hate the fact that every season, the media is like, watch out for the Raptors, man. Masai is just a genius. And I'm like, didn't Kawhi get that dude as Chip? Like, like is it really, a, like, Masai's a genius? I think every year they're just, like, the same team, except for the one year they had Kawhi, Lowry, and, and Gasol, which were, like, rentals for the two of those dudes. And I realized, like, I still have, like, a rival's heart, man. I still get, like, annoyed by some teams. So I thought we could run through... Mm-hmm. In the spirit of the holidays, the Sixers' biggest current rivals. Okay. I, think I have four. I have a fifth slot open because it's like, it's like the wild card here, okay? Okay. All right. Number one, it should come as no surprise to anybody that it's the Celtics. Yeah. Um, it's decades in the making. mm mm-hmm. uh, I hate the President Brad thing. I hate the dealer Danny thing. Mm -hmm. I hate the fact that they pulled the rug out from us on Tate on uh on faults. I hate the fact that we got Horford and Horford like turned into stone and then he went back to the Celtics and turned into like the best playmaking shooting big man in the league. I hate all of it. I I hate the fact that they lost their coach and now they're just as good with Missoula as their coach. I hate the fact that Tatum is probably gonna win an MVP in the next three years. I hate all of it. Tatum gets an MVP before Embiid. I'm gonna quit basketball. The Celtics are in a class of their own. The only thing I'm worried about is if the Celtics are now kind of like we don't think about you at all. Like the Celtics are kind of like we we've moved on to Milwaukee and and like bigger fish the Warriors like we're like worried about the finals not about the division. <laughs> where do you where are you at with the Celtics right now?
1: Oh, I think the Celt- I think the Celtics are definitely our biggest rivals. And I I mean you hinted at the t- the Tatum thing, but I just I mean I think, you know, just being in the same division and like I think there's there's things in which the Sixers do really well that can cause Boston problems. Like, and you know, the fact that they have Al Horford and like Al Horford is, has historically given MB some problems. So there's a little rivalry between those guys, but I just think we're, we're so big and lengthy inside that, you know, it's just, I, I think we, even with the Celtics, you know, being better than us at this point, I think we can give them some issues, in in my opinion, and you know, like you look at the last couple of games with like the last four or five years between these two teams, like the Celtics have. I mean, they knocked us out the playoffs that one year when when Ben Simmons got hurt, but we've had some mm-hmm. like really tough regular season games with them. Like even going back to the to the Christmas Day game where um with where we had Jimmy Butler and they had Kyrie, like that was yeah like. like that's something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life, you know? So it's just like, I definitely think they're our number one rival and I I just, I don't think they've totally surpassed this yet. I mean, they're not, this is not like the Patriots in the AFC East with Tom (laughs) Brady. This is not that. yet.
0: (laughs) Um, My number two biggest rival for the Sixers is the Toronto Raptors. And Mm -hmm. I know that seems weird, but I'm never going to forget the triple bounce for as long as I live. And I often feel like, and B came out of the game last night and talking to the press, he was just like, that sucked. Like, that was one of the, like... I think he was alluding to the officials, but just, like, one of the worst games he felt like he had played in, and he was great. But I do feel like the Raptors throw a lot of weird stuff at Joel. Like, a lot of, like, six eight six nine dudes just running at him. They're physical. You don't know where their, like, their attack is coming from. Siakam obviously had 38 last night, but, like, it's just all over the court. And I think I just really get annoyed by the fact that every season people are like, oh, the Raptors, oh, the rap, the Raptors got so many guys. The Raptors are so deep. And so their development program is so rich. And then I'm like, you guys are always sixth. Like, aren't you guys, basically just like always sixth. And then you're like annoying in the playoffs and then you fall apart. And everybody's like, well, Messiah blow it up. And he doesn't. And it's like, I'm just tired of the Raptors story in general. And I'm tired of all the, the lamestream media blessing that team. I think the thing with the Raptors is that
1: they have all of these guys who fit the the prototypical modern NBA player. You have all these guys with length and who can you shoot the ball. You got Pasco Siakam, who probably is like, he's the next guy. I mean, he's all NBA caliber power forward. You got him. You got OG Ananovi. You got guys like Boucher. All these guys with such length. And then Scotty Barnes. And... The only thing that they're missing really is a star player who can get his own shot. Like Fred Van Vliet is just so small. Um, I think he's a good defender. Um, he can hit the three, but he's not suited for his role. Like, to me, it's just like even you saw him in clutch time last night. It was just like he really yeah, he didn't... couldn't
0: get over Embiid.
1: Yeah, yeah, like he just he struggles against a lot of length. Um, and when it's clutch time, there's an issue. But I just think with the Raptors, they're really a Kawhi Leonard away. I, I think if Kawhi Leonard had not left, be <laughs> aren't looking... we all? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true. But but if Kawhi Leonard had not left, I think you know they're probably a two three time NBA champion or at least you know going to the finals a couple times.
0: But I, and, as... and as yeah, and as our Philly sports therapist producer Cliff points out, maybe we're just mad because Toronto got the chip while we were still in the process.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the thing with the Raptors that makes them so tough is that. The, th- the one thing that we do bad is the- where they thrive. This- we- we've spoken about this all year. The Sixers struggle in transition. They don't do the little things. And and they turn the ball over a lot with Embiid and Hart. And so the one area in which the, the Raptors can score, because they struggle in the half court. You saw that in the first yeah. half last night. Yeah. If the Sixers aren't scoring efficiently in the half court and they're turning the ball over, the Raptors are going to get out there and transition and score. And you saw like last night. I think they they were in the 74th seven, percentile of all NBA games this year in transition points per possession. They had five point six points added per one hundred possessions. So that tells you th- that's why this Raptors team always kind of gives us issues because they our run. offense, yeah, they run our offense bogs down. They get out in transition and they run, and that's always going to be an issue for this particular Sixers team.
0: My number three most hated rival is Miami Heat. Mm. Um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, first of all, I don't think Sixers fans are hard enough on the Heat because they still love Jimmy Butler. Mm. But second of all, I have a sneaking suspicion that if Joel Embiid could pick anywhere else to play, it would be Miami.
1: I didn't. Ex- you know what? I did not expect you to come with Miami next. And I think this. I also is- am
0: not a big Heat culture guy. Like I don't buy that. You know what I mean? Like I just like save, save it for the, the 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 billboard somewhere else. But I, I'm not into like all the Heat culture stuff. But I feel like Miami is like sneaky is a sneaky rival for us.
1: It is. It, 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 and you know it's so funny because I didn't think of Miami like a rival and I actually forgot that they eliminated us out of the playoffs last year. Uh-huh. Because it was just like it felt like Miami was having a dream season and it just felt like we were so banged up and so tired that like it just it felt like we didn't have a shot. But it was like I, I, that's actually a good one. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't consider Miami as a rival just because you know what it is. Miami just doesn't. They're not the sports city that has a ton of like hardcore fans.
0: So it's just they, like I, I know that the Heat have their like diehards, but you're right. It is. It, it does feel like a much more casual sports town, and I just feel like it, it, I maybe I envy the weather. Mm-hmm. Maybe I envy Jimmy seeming so happy there or whatever. But I hate the fact that like they had like a full blown like fight between Spolstra and Jimmy Butler on the on the bench, and they were somehow able to get past it. I don't think that would happen in Philly. It's just <laughs> everything about it bothers me. Miami's I mean, Jimmy Butler three.
1: came out after one of those playoff games and said Tobias Harris over me, <laughs> 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 and, like shouted into the camera. So I, I guess that's a good one. Oh, I just I just God. I didn't expect you to say that. It, it just threw me. I'm off. surprised that
0: wasn't Joel Embiid saying that. Um, my number four team is Brooklyn. Okay, that's that's what I. This expected is really you, I expected you to say Brooklyn. This is pretty recent. Now, I actually don't have like a ton of like Ben Simmons baggage where I'm like all mad at him or anything like that. Like it is what it is. There is just something like so new money about about Brooklyn though, and it's like their dumb stadium in in the middle of Brooklyn and getting Kyrie and Katie gifted to them and just kind of being like, you know, we're, we're the bad boys. And it's like, I I just I just don't have a lot of time for Brooklyn. But like, as soon as Katie and Kyrie, Katie and Kyrie leave that team, I'm not going to think about them ever again.
1: Yeah, I, like I mean, see, I would have put this third, um, just okay. because I mean, from the moment that you saw. Ben Simmons get traded for James Harden there was like a real like there's real tension obviously between Kyrie and Harden and they never really got along I don't think Harden really understood the the Scientology or the astrology or the the all the like religious stuff that Kyrie gets into with him burning sage in the locker room like there was articles about that and I think he just didn't like the The fact that Kyrie wasn't playing because he wasn't faxed. So I always looked at those two having a rivalry. And you saw, you know, the first game in which they played each other last year, the Brooklyn Nets absolutely destroyed us. Um, Yeah. Like, on our home court. Like and that, that was just bad. So and then for the, the Sixers to have our best win of the year this year, um, and Ben Simmons return without any of our stars, I, I just think this is a rivalry that's I mean, for the next couple of years, at least while these two teams are together in this manner,
0: I think it's gonna be there. Um So, but, so we we have this open slot at five. We gotta do a top five and and I, I I want it to be the Knicks. It's the Milwaukee but, like, I don't Bucks. Ha- I don't have, like, I have too many Knicks friends. I have, I don't, like, the Knicks haven't done anything. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I'm always just like, oh, the NBA would be better if the Knicks were good. It, and it, I know that they're playing well this season or better than, like, maybe people expected. They're currently, they're currently in sixth. They're right behind us in, in the standings. It's just in the loss column. They're, they've won seven um, in a row. But, like, I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, the Knicks. Yeah, it's, it's not the Knicks. Joel Embiid
1: is 14-1 versus the Knicks in his career. That's <laughs> <laughs> so our rivalry.
0: It's, 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 what, it's, what do you think? Does, does it have to be an Eastern Conference team? Is there a Western Conference team? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you it's the Bucks. Mm. And the reason why I say that is
1: because when you look over the last five, six years, last five years, really, Joel Embiid and Giannis, they've been the premier MVP candidates. So every time they match up against one another, it's a big game,
0: and yeah, like somewhere Nikola Jokic is listening to this podcast, being like, "Uh, excuse me." I, the the, the <laughs> thing about you know what's
1: so funny, I I would say that's a rival, but for whatever reason, Joel Embiid hasn't gotten a chance to play Jokic very often. Yeah, they're like he's always out or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but it's just like you look at some of these games against the Bucks and in, in the Sixers, they kind of go. They're going back and forth. I know, like, I think Embiid is five and eight versus Giannis in his career, but Dan I mean, an
0: awesome th- game earlier in the season. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's just like to me, they, those are like big marquee games that can kind of go either way. I think, um, what did the Sixers won the last one? The, the Bucks won the last two before that. The, the Sixers won the one before that. So they kind of like they kind of go back and forth. And I just kind of like, I like, even when there's no Ben Simmons. I've seen M B go out there and win that game, you know? So yeah. it's just like, I, I think that's, that's our rival, even though the Bucks are just, I mean, they've won an NBA title. We haven't. Yeah.
0: Yes. And, and Giannis has, what, he has like two MVPs, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, Embiid yeah. just can't get over the hump for whatever reason.
0: I feel better. I feel better. I haven't gotten that off my chest. Um, <laughs> we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thanks for listening. For you listening know what, I, the, I the think ra- we got to
1: talk about this Christmas game
0: oh okay this game
1: yeah we we have to um especially since this is the last podcast of the year so it's like we have the sixers opening up as two and a half point favorites over the knicks um on christmas over under 219 my model actually puts this at four and a half um those of you guys who listen to me on the ringer gambling show um we'll we'll probably talk about that more on there but um what do you think about this game are you I, i imagine you're excited
0: I'm excited it's it, it it's like for for me as an Eagles fan I'll tell you how I'm gonna be feeling that morning is very much related to whether or not the Eagles beat the Cowboys I know as a Cowboys fan you probably feel the opposite um it, it's it's one of those things where I feel like all the Philly sports teams have been kind of interrelated this season where you know like the Phillies and the Eagles kind of gave some cover to the Sixers earlier in the season now the Eagles are on their way to the playoffs but like Jalen's Banged up, so I'm like, we're more worried about that than I am the Sixers. Um, I want to win, but like, you know, the NBA is having a hard time getting all their stars mm-hmm. healthy and available for their marquee games on national television. Yeah, I, I I don't particularly like watching the Knicks right now, but like, I'm excited to see see the Philly play on Christmas Day. What about you?
1: I'm very excited. You know, the last time these two teams played, we didn't have Embiid or Hart. This was right after the Washington series, so. Right. We had Tyrese Maxey. I mean, we still played him a close game. I think we lost 106-104 at home in a game in which the Sixers probably should have won. So I'm expecting a big performance out of the Sixers here. Um, You know, the the Knicks right now, I I just think there's so many advantages that we have in this matchup. I mean, we're the better half-court offense. We're the better transition offense. The Knicks struggle in transition. Um, The Knicks, I, I just think right now, our offense right now is rolling. The last two weeks, were fifth in offensive rating, scoring 118 points per hundred possessions. So, I mean, that tells you just with Embiid and Harden on the floor, I just, I think this is gonna be a high-scoring game. I'm gonna I'm be honest with you. I, I, I just think the Knicks are, are rolling offensively. Both of these two teams defensively, they've picked it up. But I, I like the Sixers in this one. I think I think we get it done.
0: I like Philly too. Um, I'll be interested to see if this winds up being so. It would be our ninth win in a row if yeah. we if we if we beat detroit and the clippers keep it rolling man that's what i would love is just to, just to keep it rolling into the new year you know it's so uh, cr- it's to- so
1: crazy they're on a, on, on a winning streak too so i know it just feels like an unstoppable force meets an immovable object at this point i mean with two that's what teams.
0: Teams. exactly how adam silver drew it up <laughs> the yeah succeeds so,
1: <laughs> i would love to see both teams go into this like completing like the, their winning streak and just we'll see who battles it out. I mean, I always had, like, you know, just being from Philly, I always kind of had this inner competition with New York. Um, I know I said they're not really a rival, but I just always wanted the best New York, whether that's, you know, in anything, whether that's as a rap or a DJing. I just wanted the six... Philly to just be better than New York so yeah
0: we're always like the second city to them and it's, it's it gets really annoying yeah. um, we'll have to see what, what happens on Christmas thanks to Raheem for joining me we'll be back in the new year mm-hmm. go Sixers